Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. We can give them through our, there's a giving, Rebel Give, it can be done online. We have a box upstairs, it can be given that way. You can give it to Larissa. Thank you, Robert. Thank you so much, church. Welcome to the last Sunday of July. And it is an incredible day because people are coming back from their travels. People are getting their fish counts. People have gotten gardens that they're harvesting from. So let's all do a round of applause for our bountiful Alaska and what the Lord has provided us this summer so far. If you are going to catch your fish, tomorrow is the last day for Kenai. So do not break any laws. Um, Kids Church will be August 13th which is in a couple of weeks, um, we wanted to announce that, and then we will break for the rest of August and get back to regular Sunday school in September. So please watch out for that. Um, we also have worship night coming up this Friday, August 4th. So please join us for that. It's going to be an incredible time of reflection, worship, and um, being able to pray together. Um, and another thing is no carnivore or women's in August. So we're starting back up in September. All the women, I challenge you to attend the unoffendable heart coming in September. We are going to explore our hearts and what the Bible says on how to stay unoffended. I believe every single one of us, including me, has got a challenge in that area that we will try to biblically remove from our hearts. So, all righty, that's all the announcements I have. We have Mark coming up, and after that, Nancy will also be sharing. So, round of applause for our amazing Pastor Mark Campbell. Could you put that uh, picture of the unoffendable heart up there again? Ladies, that sounds like a terrific thing, but I suggest if you want to challenge that, get married. You will find it's a challenge not to be offended by these men that you marry. We have a, a knack. We're so good at it. Well, praise the Lord. Pastor Vic had such a great message last week, talking about the body working together, formed together, every ligament and joint supplying, that uh, I decided to put off what I had in mind and pursue that a little further. Um, But I'm still got that, uh, he's got such catchy titles to his his messages, and I just can't keep up, but the, the title that I really like, and one day I'll do this, it's called, uh, the title of my message will be Whiskey Throttle. Anybody familiar with the term Whiskey Throttle? Well, that's when you get on a, a motorcycle for the first time, or a, an RV, you know, a, a four-wheeler or something, and you just lock down because you don't know what else to do, and you just usually run into bushes or a fence or something like that. Just YouTube it, Whiskey Throttle. It's a blast. I've done it. In fact, I, I find a, li- a lot of uh, life uh, examples to my life in that. Um, but the message today is spiritual growth. You grow where you're planted. Now, I took this picture. Do we have that? A place where I like to walk my dog. And that's a paved bike trail 
behind the college there, the university, uh, Moo Yu over here. And, um, and this little uh, fireweed is just growing up out of the pavement. And every time I would walk, that would speak to me. Number one, you know, how did that one little seed, never underestimate the power of, of a seed. Never underestimate the, the word that God will speak to you and what it can do in even the hardest, most difficult time. It just will continue to, it will find a way. Uh, another thing that I got from that was uh, growth, and in our uh, look today, spiritual growth can come through very difficult circumstances, through difficulties and through hardships, you can find the hardiest plants, you can find the hardiest Christians, the ones who can stand, the, the ones that can say they understand that scripture, when you've done all to stand, stand therefore, wearing the full armor of God. You know, when you've done all, and you're like, there is no more, stand. Never underestimate the word of God working in your life. Spiritual growth for you and for me, for all of us, comes through um, hardships and difficulties more than it comes through ease and comfort. Before I get too far, it's great to have Olga back from Russia. She, she brings uh, greetings to us from Vladimir. Next time you go over, you tell him hello from us. We're praying for him. Again, your spiritual gift, and I want to, I'm going to emphasize on spiritual giftings today. I'm not going to get into all of them, but uh, your spiritual gifts and your maturity do best when you walk through the difficult journey. There's a saying, um, I can't remember who, who made it, but it's... It, really spoke to me. It says, life is a series. Uh, he's speaking in uh, oceanic or seaman uh, terms. Life is a series of troughs and peaks. And God relies more on the troughs than he does on the peaks to get permanent hold of a person's heart and soul. So we do best when we walk through the journey that we started. Don't do what Adam did. Adam had a choice. Eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or the tree of life. He chose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which God said, don't eat from that tree. For the day that you do, you will surely die. And he said, well, I'm going to believe the words of Satan that I won't surely die. 
And I'll challenge the effects of God's word in my life. And then when he was faced with the results of his own decision, the, the, the difficulties of his own decision, he did this. He started to blame Eve. He said, well, the woman you gave me, she, she, she caused me to eat. You see what Adam did there? He started to blame someone else, but then he went to the highest authority and said, God, it's your problem. You did this. You created this problem. When really all along, it was Adam that created his own problem. Often our difficulties come from our own creating our own problems. You know, I made a bad decision, and now I'm faced with that. My mom used to tell me, son, you go out and sow your wild oats. When harvest time comes, you know, think about that. And guess what? I didn't. And difficulties would come my way, challenges, and I had to see it through. Concerning your spiritual gifts and maturity, they do best when you continue on the journey that God has placed you on. I want to speak a little bit about road construction. How many live out KGB or been on it lately? Connect Goose Bay Road. That road is a challenge, and for many years, people have said they need to do something about this. Often, when we face a problem, we simply say this, they need to do something about this. Well, guess what? You become a part of the change that takes place when they do begin to do something about it because you're faced with driving that road through all the construction. So you say, they need to do something about this, God. They they need to do something. Something needs to change here. And then you see a sign go up that says, here's our plan. And you go, finally, they're going to do something. Finally, the government is going to be productive. Right? And then one day you see somebody out there the surveyors for a while, and delay. Didn't they survey that last year and the year before? And then you see orange cones. You go, ah. And all of a sudden, your cars are all squeezed together, and there's delays, and there's setbacks, and there's construction workers, and there's a sign that now says, be prepared to stop and wait. Forever. <laughs> we're, we're training you for what eternity is like. It's forever. I was telling my wife the other day, she was saying, the, the washing machine, our washing machine has this thing that goes, you know, counts the minutes down, and it's got the one minute. Have you ever seen how long one minute lasts on your washing machine? That's like an example of eternity. One minute with God is like a thousand years. So now you're, you're in this road construction. God is working on you. 
And your first thought is, there's got to be an alternative. Isn't there another roadway around this? Your second thought is, why did I move out here? Why am I planted where I'm planted? I should move. I got to find an easier way. I got to get around this somehow. This is frustrating. This is difficult. God working in your life can be frustrating, can be difficult, and can bring, but the end result is the path becomes smooth. He does make straight the path. In John 6, 68, we see a, a, a situation where the people following Jesus, Jesus gave them a, a difficult statement. He said a hard saying, and it says at that point, many left him and followed him no more. And he looked at his 12 disciples and he said, well, what about you? Are you going to find another path? Are you going to find an alternative? Are you going to find, what about you? What are you going to do? And Peter not knowing what was ahead, made this statement. He says, but Jesus, where would we go? You have the word of eternal life. He's saying, I'm going to follow you. Yeah, he doesn't know anything but the little sign that says, here's our plans for the future. A better road. He doesn't know how difficult that's going to be until completion. Jesus said, are, are you going to leave me also? And Peter said, you have the words, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. So moving, leaving, finding fault will slow your spiritual growth and hinder it and hinder your gift development. The church today is weakened and ineffectual in many ways because it's too easy to find an alternate path than see yourself through a difficult time in the church where God's put you. I'm not saying that God doesn't move us from time to time from one fellowship to the other. The first pastor I ever had used to always make this comment, sheep jump fences. Then he would qualify it with always in, never out. But I jumped out, went a different direction. But when you do make a move, you've got to do it with God. Not because you think life is going to get easier for you. Not because I don't want to have to deal with this person that I don't like any longer. They said something that offended me. Pastor Vic said something that offended me. You know what? I love Pastor Vic. He, he's a son to me. But he can do things once in a while that set me back. And, and I love him all the more for it. You know why? Because the wise man receives reproof and rebuke. The foolish man stiffens and hardens his neck his way. The answer is just not change 
fellowships every time you encounter road construction. There's a story about a 40-year-old man. He and his wife are getting ready for church. He says to his wife, he says, I don't want to go to church today. And she says, why? He says, well, I don't like the people, and the people don't like me. She looks at him, and she says, well, I can think of several reasons why you should go to church today. Number one, you're 40 years old. Put on your big boy pants. Number two, you're the pastor. When God places you in a church with a good family structure, good family culture, embrace that culture. Pursue those relationships. That's really what it's about, is the pursuit of the relationship. Often, those relationships can create offenses, can create uh, a challenge to better yourself. Usually we look at it, they need to better themselves. But that's where growth really happens. When you stick it out and you say, look, I love this person. I love this relationship. I'm going to stick with it. It's, it's too easy to just jump and find an alternative. I'm going to share a few things here, my personal experience. Uh, one time a family came to me for counsel from another church, and they told me what was going on. It was pretty... Uh, it was not good. And uh, I said, well, why don't you go to your pastor or your church with this? Why are you coming here? Oh, we could never tell this to our pastor in our church. I said, why not? Well, they, they would judge us. I'm like, well, that's why you're there. I want to be judged by my peers. I want to grow. And if they can't handle the truth... You know, if they can't handle what I'm going through and help and walk me through it, then I can find an alternative. Another time, I was a young pastor at the time, and uh, this couple came to our church, and they were very uh, uh, successful. And... Uh, we had a great meeting, and afterwards we went and had lunch together and got to know him a little bit. And later that week, I got a letter in the mail. Like, oh, they sent me a letter, and I opened it up. It's horrible. It's scathing. They are like, you are the worst. You disappointed us so much. You are, and I was like, taken back. But God is so good. At the same time that I got that letter, I got a book in the mail called Well-Intentioned Dragons. And it was about people in the church 
<laughs> that do really bad things, you know, and scorch you. And the two came together. But anyway, I, I called him up. I said, um, hey, listen, I, I got your letter. And I don't know what to make of it. Uh, maybe we could meet and have coffee. They said, really? I said, yeah. So we met together and we had coffee. And I said, I'm just really kind of taken aback by your letter. I thought, you know, uh, that we had a good connection. And they said, well, you know what's amazing is you're the first pastor to ever contact us after we sent him a letter. And I went, you mean you've done this before? And they go, yeah. But the fact that I said to myself, I'm not taking the easy way out. I'm going to pursue this. I'm going to see what's going on here. They continued in the church, and then God got even with them for it by making them later on in their lives a pastor. So let's talk of gift development and spiritual growth. How many of you want to find out what your gifts are, pursue them, and grow spiritually? I want to read out of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. In verse 11, it says, He gave the apostles and the prophets the evangelists, the shepherds, teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So number one, let's talk about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. There's a lot of uh, controversy in the church about that. Uh, there's dispensationalists that say, well, God did away with the, the gifts when that which is perfect came. It says, when that which is perfect comes, those gifts will be done away with. Well, look around yourself and look within yourself and say, is that which is perfect come? Well, we all know the argument there is Jesus came and that was perfect, but it was Jesus who then gave the gifts to follow so you got to connect the dots here to get the whole picture. Um, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. God's done away with any of this gifts. He has not. Uh, and I find it convenient that in that argument that God has done away with the apostles and prophets, somehow he decided to keep the evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Again, that's partly why the church is ineffectual or as not effective as it could be, not as healthy as it could be, not as powerful as it could be. The saints are not as equipped as they can be. So first of all, apostles, special messengers, not financial gurus. had somebody come to me one time saying, well, I know that our pastor is actually an apostle. And I said, oh, okay, great. That's wonderful. He said, 
We have over 12, um, what's the number one car that people, oh, Rolls, Rolls Royces. We have over 12 Rolls Royces in our parking lot on any given Sunday. And I said, well, that's a sign that he's smart financially. I don't know if it's a sign that he's an apostle. And they were offended and didn't come to our church, and I was happy. He may very well have been an apostle, but that is not a sign for that. And I'll get to these points. I'll make a point there in a minute. Prophets are not psychics. And they can't read your mind. But God warns, first of all, the prophets or alerts them to what is coming. In fact, if you'll look at just the last 10 years of the history of the church, of what God has spoken to the church, he talks about identity your identity in Christ, your identity in him, secure your identity as a believer. He's equipping the believer, saying, get your identity in me. And now all of a sudden in the secular world, no one knows their identity in the church. Much of the church questions their own identity. Then there was a huge emphasis poured out by the Spirit and by the prophets that said, don't be offended. And a lot of the songs that came out, I'm not going to be offended. And guess what? We all got offended. Because the secular world got offended. Because God knows ahead of time what Satan is going to try to do in his realm. In the minds of the unbelieving. The minds of the captives. And he wants the whole world to be offended. And then when they get offended, who are they offended at most? God, of course. You second. So God gives warning in Amos chapter 3, verse 7. He doesn't do anything without alerting and telling his prophets first. And they will begin to speak it. Maybe you're a prophet and you don't really know it. Maybe you're an apostle, and you don't know it. We'll get to these things, but you're, you'll all of a sudden be alerted. God starts speaking to you, and the next thing you see is these things starting to unfold and take, take shape in the world. Well, it was given to you to begin to alert the church and equip your church family. This is what's coming. I really believe that we are facing Difficult, rather than just leaving it at that, difficult time saying, being offended. Our identities to be challenged. Evangelists. Now there's a group. I love evangelists. I always thought I was an evangelist. That's what I wanted to be. I'm an evangelist. I'd go out on 4th Avenue in Anchorage, man, and I'd just be preaching the gospel to everybody. I remember this one guy, he was huge. He just grabbed me, picked me up, and said, give me your money. I had like 50 cents to my name. I gave it to him. And he didn't punch me. Another time, my wife and I were out preaching on the streets. We came across a Japanese businessman. 
man, we're telling him about Jesus, and he's just looking at us, just like. And then he finally goes, ah, Jesus Christ. We go, yeah, yeah, you got it. And he says, ah, Jesus, die on cross. We go, yeah. And he goes, Buddha, die in bed, so. And he walked off, and we were like so sorely disappointed. Pastors, pastors are interesting. You might be a pastor, but you might not be a pastor that preaches from the pulpit. We're blessed in this church. We've got quite a few pastors. We've got retired pastors, but they don't retire. That's one thing. They're just tired. I became a pastor not because I thought I was a pastor. Like I said, I wanted to be an evangelist. I, became, I was working uh, for the school district, and then my wife and I and another couple, we went into business together, and our business was quite successful. We had um, several locations in Anchorage and Fairbanks, and they... Our partners went to Fairbanks and, and ran that part of the business, and we stayed down here and wanted to raise our children in the valley. And we had a few friends that said, we want to start going to church. And we said, go. Lots of good ones out there. No, no. We want you to be our pastor. I'm like, I'm not a pastor. Well, you're our pastor. I'm like, well, I don't see it. Well, we don't care. So we started a, a church in our home. It blew up to about 50 people in a month. And so we started looking for new locations. And eventually I accepted the fact that I was not an evangelist, that God had called me to be a pastor. Teachers. I love teachers, the way they can open up the Word of God to you. We'll go to uh, different conferences that we've attended, and, you know, you'll have different speakers. My wife just goes towards these speakers that are just like prophetic and dynamic and saying these things that I'm sitting there going, yeah, I don't get that. And I'll zip over here to this guy because he's an excellent teacher. I'll sit there and I'll go, wow, that was so good. So how do you know any of these gifts are working in your life? Well, you'll know it because, number one, God says he gave gifts unto men and severally as it pleased him. So you have a gift working in your life. Where that gift takes place can be just like that picture I took of that little fireweed growing in the middle of that trail, in the middle of that uh, paved bike trail. And you're like, I don't get it, God. Here I am. God says, exactly. Now be who I've called you to be. But God, I'm in, I'm in the secular world day in and day out. Look, when I was in business, my employees all came to me for counsel. My employees said, we're going to get married. I'm going to get married. Will you do the wedding? 
Okay. So you can be any of these gifts in the secular world, but they're designed to also be in your church to equip the saints. What you have in you is valuable for others in this body, in this family. Don't ever undersell what God has done and has for you in your life. Okay, real quickly, I want to save room for my wife to share. I love to share time with my wife. She uh, usually goes before me, but I asked if she would go after me this time just in case my message bombs. Leave you on a high note. And if she goes first and then my message bombs, that's not good. Just leave you with a couple of scriptures. 1 Corinthians 12, 31, eagerly desire the greater gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, 1, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. You need to desire these gifts. You need to say, I want these gifts working in my life. I want to be an effectual Christian. I want to equip my brothers and sisters, I want to give them what they need. Here's five things that I want to say about those, and then I'll finish. Number one, always remember why the gift was given to you. It is not for your own elevation or your own promotion, but it's for elevating and building up the church your brothers and sisters. Number two, ask. Ask God what gifts he has for you and which ones you should strive for. It says pursue. Go after the spiritual gifts. I, I remember times, God, what do you have for me? Use me. I'll go out. I'll be that evangelist. <laughs> Go ahead. It's not going to work out for you. Three, study. Spiritual gifts require effort. You don't just lay back, get fat. Oh, I got the fat gift. Four, act. Knowledge and learning need to be put to use. Five, encourage others in the gifts that you see in them. The, the gifts that you see working in their lives. So important. So important. So vital. It's so important that you see your brother or your sister and you say, man, you're such a blessing. I really see this working in your life. Now, you might be wrong about that gift, but you're not wrong about what you see. It's just how that gift is affecting you. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.